Welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Or maybe you're listening on the internet on the app and good for you if you are. But right now you are joined on this beautiful Monday morning by Lawson and... Robert. Robert. Great to see you. Great to have you here. Great and to be here. Man. You're not Lyle. No, I'm not. Lyle <laughs> wrote me in a week ago. He wrote, wrote you in a week ago. Well, Robert, we are so great to, to have you here helping out on the show, um, filling in today and, and doing some, some fantastic work. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're grateful for today. Oh, it's great to be here, mate. Look, I've basically been a, a health educator and Bible educator for about 35 years now. Wow. Uh, i traveled to maybe about 25 countries, uh, helping mm. people to understand the Bible better, training missionaries, helping people to know how they can support their local communities and to really develop people's awareness of, of their connection with God, God's purpose for their life, and how to really find their, their life calling with Him. So basically, I'm really grateful because uh, God has given us nature. And I just wow. think, you know, imagine what life would be like with no nature. Mm. Imagine if there were no trees, no waterfalls, no incredible uh, animals. And so for me, just being out yesterday, learning how to kite surf with my brother absolutely blew my mind because I've enjoyed nature for years. But if you try flying a kite, that's one thing. But if you try flying a kite and standing on a board and going along the water, it's a totally new thing. So I'm just grateful that I had the opportunity to learn something new in God's beautiful nature. Oh, man, appreciating nature to the extreme. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. I've got a few sore muscles. Oh, dude, I can imagine. I've been kite surfing before. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. I tell you what, I am incredibly grateful for you. You know, you're grateful for God's general revelation, the nature, the things that we see. I'm super grateful for God's special re- revelation and how it led to two baptisms that we had this weekend, um, two brothers who Amen. have been studying the Bible and they've oh. given their hearts and lives to Jesus. And so we are just absolutely stoked for them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But hey, Robert, what's going on in the world of positively different news, good news around the world? Oh, mate, one of my favorites. This is really interesting. There's actually a little boy in the mm. States and he was quite lonely, and so he stops a policewoman at oh, the wow. bus stop. And he says, could you please pray for me? Mm. This policewoman was so blown away that this little boy comes up to a policewoman and says, would you please pray for me? It actually transformed her own life. Wow. Sometimes the smallest things have such an effect on people. Mm. You know, I remember sitting at a restaurant table, and my daughter turns to the lady next to us. She says, oh, are you a Christian? And the lady's like, oh, well, uh, yeah, and she just wanted to be nice to her. And so anyway, we got talking and the lady says, oh, my life has just been going through so many troubles. And now our mum has passed away and all the siblings are supposed to prepare the funeral. And I know that everything's going to go wrong. We always fight. We always have problems. Wow. And this is going to be one big mess. I just don't know how we're going to deal with this. We said, could we pray for you? She's like, oh, please pray for me. We had a prayer for her, and then we gave her a little book called Steps to Christ, mm. just getting to know Jesus as a friend. And, and in that book, there's a chapter called The Privilege of Prayer. We encouraged her that prayer is powerful. We left our contact details in there. Two years later, this woman contacts us on the phone. She spoke to my wife, and she says, I just want you to know that after that prayer, 
all of the siblings got along well perfectly. We had no problems with the funeral. We were all respectful of each other, and we just—I knew that God answered that prayer. Wow! Because of that, I read that book, <laughs> and reading it, I really found that, uh, yeah, I found the truth, and was so grateful for it. Mm. And that, oh, that's beautiful as well. Uh, Steps to Christ is a bit of a Faith FM classic. It's one that we've advertised and given away many times. And I would, and it's a book that you know I read very early into my Christian journey and was such an encouragement to me. And I feel like, but yeah, as you were saying, man, I feel like the the world runs on prayer, and people's hearts are changed by prayer, and many amazing things happen by prayer. But I also love the point that she could see, oh wow, like God is working. And responded by trying to get to know him better. And so, hey, we'd love to offer you too. We've we've got plenty of steps to Christ. If you're in, in need of one of these fantastic and marvelous books, give us a call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Yeah. What what else is happening in the world of positively different news? Well, this is more in the lines of uh physical health. Mm. Fascinating research from Dr. Weinberger. Mm-hmm. And basically, he's learned how to cure a chronic cough that has no explanation because a lot of times people may have a cough because they're a bit sick or yeah. there's something physical in their throat. But there are a lot of people who actually have chronic coughs and they don't yes. know where they come from. Mm. Basically, this guy uses what's called suggestion therapy. Oh, okay. He's put a clip up on YouTube. Actually, a father whose daughter was cured from this chronic cough uh, put a clip on YouTube about the whole session. So you get to watch Mm. his daughter go through the session with the doctor and people get to simply do it just by watching and and practicing what they do. Basically, they get a tall glass of water while they're doing this uh, suggestion therapy and they slowly sip on this tall glass of water while concentrating on breathing. Uh Guess how many people he cures? What? Yeah, what's the success rate? 95%. What? Okay, okay. So the chronic cough is actually, what, psychosomatic or? Well, look, there's obviously uh, something um, involved with, with mental function that, that uh, may be continuing it. Mm. Um, and that's what he seems to have come across. And, and look, it works. <laughs> it's natural. It doesn't cost, you know, a cup of water. So if you're focusing, what kind of things would you need to be focusing on? So you're just sipping away on water and just, you know, staying focused on, what is it? His actual suggestion is on YouTube. Oh. So what my encouragement to everybody is, look, if you are in need of getting rid of a chronic cough that the doctor can't explain, mm. get on YouTube, look up Dr. Weinberger, that's W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R, and watch his program. Mm. Oh, many other programs you can <laughs> you can watch. You know, YouTube's a, a pretty full place, and, um, oh, dude, there are so many... This, there's actually a lot of great content on YouTube. We have a, we have a channel on YouTube with a, with a bunch of stuff there. But yeah, that's a really great point. So you, you sit there, focus, slowly sip away. And I feel like, you know, man, this could almost be, would this be also like the cure for hiccups as well? Because it's like, hiccups are like largely <laughs> psychosomatic too. Like It's funny you mention that because with hiccups, what I do is I take a cup of water mm. and slowly sip on it, but almost upside down. So you lean forward, you put the top of your lip over the outside of the cup, okay. the other side of the cup, and then you drink forwards. 
so the water's coming up into the roof of your mouth, and as you drink <laughs> like that, you swallow. And I'm wondering now, learning about Dr. Weinberg, I'm thinking, you know what? I think there might be something psychosomatic re- relating to hiccups that won't stop. And then this little drinking mechanism, I've always thought the upside-down drinking might be doing it, but uh, there might be a bit of connection there. Well, think about it, because if you're drinking upside-down, right, rather than drinking normally, like you don't have to think about drinking normally. It's just like cup to lips, bam, there you exactly. go. But drinking upside-down, you have to, you'd have to be like super focused uh, like you'd have to be thinking about your balance and not spilling the cup so yeah no i'm i'm seeing a connect dude it is well this will this like solve broken bones people storming the door of faith yeah we need to we need to do some experiments man like what what can drinking water while focusing what can that solve like oh Dude, oh, this sounds good. And you know what? This is also making me really thirsty. We could get our country's leaders uh, to drink water while they deal with their disputes and see if that might help. Oh, so they're really focused on the issues mm. rather than, you know, being caught up in the, the emotion or, I don't know, corruption or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Awesome stuff. So, oh yeah, let's have a look at some some things happening right across the world. And I did promise I was going to talk about something that the Pope said that I agreed with. Ooh. Now, there's a lot of things that the Pope says that I do not agree with. Uh, oh, uh, freedom of speech. Yeah. Well, this is this is this is in the this is in the political realm. This is really interesting because Pope Francis uh, on Saturday he. Advocated, he made an appeal to the people and to the leaders of the world to return to good politics or politics done in good faith. Now, I found this incredibly interesting in regards to the history of, you know, the the Vatican and the papacy itself and the influence they had over politics, particularly in the Dark Ages, and that there was, you know, a very monarchical authoritative model going on there that the church very much supported. But obviously we live in a different world now. This is a different Pope, you know, Pope Francis, different guy, different scene. Um, so I just wanted to look at some of the things that he had to say here because yeah. it's like, okay, well, what, what is he talking about in terms of returning to good politics? Is he advocating for authoritarianism? Well, actually he's advocating for the opposite. He was making the point that, you know, the allure and the siren song of um, popularist politicians and the appeal to get back to uh, um, authoritarianism based on, you know, agreeable ideologies um, is incorrect. And that democracy and, you know, freedom of religion and freedom of conscience should exist in the political space. And I was reading this and I'm like, well, this is, you know, very different to what you know, the papacy has generally been in support of in terms of political structures and movements, but this is, this is what Pope Francis is putting out now. It's really big, especially if you, you look at today's current climate where a lot of people are mm. feeling like their their lives are, are possibly being restricted and they're sort of wondering, are we going back to things like totalitarianism? Mm. But I think it's really interesting that the Pope said this, and, I, and I, he has this quote here. He says, um, to beware of politicians with an obsessive quest for popularity in a thirst of visibility in a flurry of unrealistic promises. 
So beware of those kinds of people. And it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Like we don't want like that. That's not the person that you want ruling your country. You want someone that is is leading your country or, you know, any system um, that is doing it for the greater good of those involved uh, versus someone that is just doing it to prop themselves up. But I find it really yeah. interesting that he said this. And I, you know, I don't want to just go after the Pope here, but it's interesting because like the political model of Vatican City itself, of which Pope Francis is the head of, is what's called, uh, this is called a theocratic absolute elective monarchy. Yeah. Um, so that means, you know, theocratic being that it is religion based, you know, you, you, um, essentially one of the qualifications is your status as a religious person. The second qualification is that it's an absolute elective. So basically, yes, there is a, a realm of, democracy being taking place there but only if you're in the vanguard or upper echelon class of the you know which is the cardinals um and finally that it's a monarchy so you rule until you die like that's how you are removed as a pope so i was i you know this being the and this is you know this is very People know this about this is how the the elections take place within the within the papacy. It's like in, in within Vatican City, you are a cardinal, and when the Pope dies, or you know the very 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 rare case that we had with the last Pope where he resigns. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Then they well then they elect someone new, but it's only amongst the cardinals. So what we're seeing here isn't is it? But it's not democracy. And so you know he's making this appeal. Um, he was doing this. He, he was actually in Greece when he said this, and they were on a, you know a leg of a Mediterranean tour promoting um, you know support for for refugees and um, for underprivileged people. And yeah, like definitely you know I can I can most people can get on board with what the Pope here is saying, but at the same time I'm thinking well. Given that you're not part of a democratic system and you're advocating the country's B, then, you know, my, my perspective is like, uh, listen, man, like, good advice, but if anything, this kind of looks like a popularist publicity stunt. And again, like, you know, this isn't just me going after the Pope, but you just have to call a spade a spade. And that that's what I'm seeing here. And we'd love to get your thoughts too. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You know, what what your what you know, what do you guys see here? What do you guys see taking place in the Pope saying this? Um but interesting stuff. Hey uh, as we're coming to the end of 2021, many different lists and, you know, things of most popular this year, least popular this year, these kinds of things are coming out from all different, you know, corners of the world, whether it's, you know, Spotify and Apple Music or whatever it may be. But um, Bible Gateway, which is one of the, the most popular Bible research websites, mm. um, they've come out with their most popular searched terms of the year. Oh. And guess Okay, try and take a stab at what number one is. Uh, love. Um, well, there's one of the kind of most search terms, not the most search, but up there among is uh, among the most search is slow to anger, abounding in love. So you're kind of correct. But the most search term is actually sorcery. Whoa. Or sorceries. And it gained by 193% this year, almost tripling um, the amount it was searched in 2020. Now, I don't necessarily, and and from the articles I've read, there there hasn't been a big correlation with, you know, political or social movements that have led to this. I guess in Mm -hmm. people's private lives, there is an increasing... 
look into sorcery in terms of what the Bible says about it? I noticed, you know, with the um, Harry Potter series and different things mm. coming up, I've, I've noticed even in $2 shops, there are books, Egyptology, witchcraft, sorcery. Mm. They are everywhere now. You can mm. find them anywhere. Mm. You may not find a Bible there, but you'll find these books on witchcraft and <laughs> yeah. sorcery. So that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, well, it's definitely like, you know, it's something that is much more, accept- I think since Harry Potter, it's something that's like much more accepted in popular culture and it, and it isn't seen as, you know, as kind of scary or negative, which was the lens that it was looked at before. Yeah, you know, the other day I noticed that had been rated MA15+. plus. And then something happened behind the scenes and the committee switched around in a couple of weeks and it became PG. Which one? The, one of the Harry Potter movies or? That was the, I yeah. think it was like the, um, something of Azkaban or whatever it oh, was. Oh yeah, okay. I fair enough. Remember. Yeah, I don't know. I don't watch Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fair Dude, well, you know, it is much more normalized, um, in society. And so, but yeah, I think it's, but that's the thing for me. It's like, okay, what is contributing to, cause no, Harry Potter movies have come out since like 2012 or whatever it is. I'm like, what has contributed to a 193% jump from 2020 to 2021? And, and so, yeah, in personal, people's personal lives, I guess something must be going on there. Um, but other most search terms, and I think, you know, this is quite encouraging was, yeah, as I said before, slow to anger, abounding in love, as well as in my father's house, there are many rooms, which is something that we can definitely look forward to. You know, I feel like a lot of people are looking towards heaven at the moment um, because we are, <laughs> when we look towards earth, there's not much that we can see in terms of uh, good and hope. At the same time, though, compared to last year, the words pestilences, plagues, and diseases, these are terms that come from specifically Matthew 24, dealing with the signs of the times um, mm. and what it looks like when the world is going to end is actually down by 71%. So I think wow. last year since COVID, you know, we had this rise of people being interested in, oh, what's going on in our world? You know, is the world falling apart? Whereas I feel like now people are getting over that and they're like, yeah. Oh, I don't care about the world anymore. I just want to go home. Like, I just want to go to heaven. So, yeah, really, really interesting stuff happening in that space. Oh, I can't talk about why young people are uh, are actually more likely to go to church. I don't have time to elaborate on that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is uh, Dr. John Ashton, author of many books, but one in particular that we've been talking about, Evolution Impossible. John, welcome to the show. Hello. John, we've come to Chapter 13 of, uh, of your book here, Evolution Impossible, which is uh, titled Evidence for the Existence of an Intervening God. And the question that goes through my mind, you know, why is this material in the book about scientific evidence against evolution? Why do we have this particular chapter in this particular book? I think uh, one of the motivations for putting that in there was that there's a very uh, strong effort today to keep God out of the classroom. And the other thing is that um, science wants to explain everything in terms of, uh, you know, just natural processes. There's no, no room for God. And I think this creates the impression that God, that, you know, science has proved that God does not exist, whereas in actual fact, of course, many scientists recognise that um, 
you know, there, there must be a God. The DNA codes are so complex that they could not arise by chance. Uh, the famous astronomer Fred Hoyle, Fred Hoyle pointed out that, you know, the values of the uh, physical constants and the way the universe is set up, it's almost as if uh, an intelligence has set it up and fine-tuned it exactly. So I wanted to provide other evidence, real evidence, for uh, people reading the book that we worship a God that's just not out there and set the original universe up, but a God who is a personal God and is mm. interested in us as humans today and can be our friend. That's why I want to include the evidence that we have that God is a personal intervening God. If we look at the size of the universe and you know what, say, for instance, uh, Sir Fred Hoyle was talking about there, how he looks out at the universe he sees, you know, evidence for an intervening God in the universe. Isn't our planet really just a speck of dust? And if so, why would somebody who is big enough and powerful enough to create the universe be interested in one speck of dust? Well, well, I guess you need to ask God that question. <laughs> but I think um, one of the interesting things that has come out of um, you know astronomy is that the Earth is certainly in a very interesting position in the universe and that we appear to be in the centre of the universe. My own personal view is that we were created specially in the image of God and the universe was created as the environment for us to experience and explore. It was part of our ecology, part of our environment. But again, I think there's a huge need today as we see so many young people turning to excessive uh, drinking and drugs. There's an emptiness in their lives and people need something um, and they need the reassurance that there is a God that they can pray to and, and can answer prayers. Mm. Um, and that and that was the whole purpose of of this chapter to point out that not only do we have overwhelming evidence that evolution is absolutely impossible, we were created. We we are here as a result of supernatural intervention in in nature, special creation, and that this God that created us is a God who loves us, that we can talk to, that we can receive peace and joy from and I think that is so important and I wanted to give clear-cut examples of this as evidence that there is evidence for an intervening God. You know, Christianity is a, is a historical uh, sort of faith based on evidence. A lot of people think that Christianity isn't based on evidence. You know, it's just a religion. You know, there's myths and, people, you know, it's this feel-good thing that people want to believe in something. But what I think many people don't realise is that our faith is based on evidence. It's based on the evidence recorded in the Bible as, as uh, godly men wrote down their experiences with this intervening God. And then since the time of Christ, we have had, you know, thousands of Christians write down in various books and, and give their sermons of their personal experience of God. And this is all evidence, evidence of an in intervening God um, that, you know, answers prayer. And that's why in the book I wanted to, while the book is mainly to deal with evolution, obviously, 
Um, I wanted to include some clear examples, both from history and both from personal experiences and both where I did research and interviewed people uh, in at the research laboratories where I worked about their experiences of uh, personal answers to prayer and so forth. Uh, and that's what I want to do, provide that evidence so that we have evidence. We have evidence for why, why we believe. So what are some of the examples that you um, cite in this chapter for people having a personal experience with God? Well, uh, for example, um, you know, one of the uh, local uh, medical practitioners, when she was uh, travelling to uh, work, working up at uh, Wingham and she lived down near Taree, uh, she was driving along a windy road when suddenly she heard an audible voice as if someone was sitting in the back of the car saying, slow down. And uh, she said she was brought up with manners and, and her reply, she didn't feel afraid but her reaction was, I beg your pardon? And the voice repeated and said, slow down. And she was just overwhelmed. What is, what is happening? And she just pulled off the, the road and slowed down. Just at that moment, a yellow Ford Mustang came round the corner on the wrong side of the road at very high speed. And mm. she said, you know, she had it kept on going. She most certainly would have been very seriously injured, if not killed. Um, and so this is, you know, quite a, Quite a spectacular example. Hmm. What does what does science say about these kinds of experiences? Do they do, 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 do scientists who are ruling you know the supernatural out of the equation? Are they just saying that this is uh, some kind of you know psychotic episode? What, what does what does science say about this kind of thing? Well, I think if you obviously the local doctor's experience has been examined by scientists. If we take, for example, Joan of Arc, who also heard voices um, and was appointed, when you when you think of the fact that here we had a 17, 16, 17 year old girl appointed to the head of the French army at a time when, you know, women were considered as, you know, the property of men sort of thing in this sort of culture. Um, how could that happen? The reason was that, that she was a very pious girl and God revealed to her the prayers of the, um, of the king of, uh, or the Dauphin, he hadn't been the crown king of uh, France. And she was able to get an audience with him and told him what he, he had prayed to God. And when, he recognised that that was why she was put in charge. And, of course, God um, gave her direction, spoke to her. She heard audible voices, and she was able to lead the army to victory at that particular time and free the oppression from the uh, from the English. We have another example in more recent times, in Ellen White's time. There was Ellen White, the visions and so forth she received and, and so forth. But there's also Harriet Tubman that... Uh, Gave slaves, who again was very devoted to God. He was an illiterate woman. Joan of Arc was illiterate as well. Um, who God spoke to, and this woman, following the directions that God gave her, audible directions as He spoke to her, was able to lead the slaves to safety, even though there were people looking for her everywhere and trying to to stop her. And she led hundreds of slaves to uh, to to safety. Um, matter of fact, I understand she even stayed in Ellen White's house at, at one stage. And so we have these, you know, classic um, examples 
there. We have examples of premonitions where people have had of, of warning them against, um, you know, danger and, and so forth. Um, my friend, uh, many people would know Joy Butler, had a friend while she was staying in um, Zimbabwe who um, uh, her, her friend had uh, arrived uh, home after doing the shopping or whatever and uh, parked her car just in the driveway, left it running while she opened the gate uh, to her property, but there was a man hiding uh, behind the fence, and he, as she opened the gate, he jumped out and jumped into the open door of the car and drove off. The problem was that the lady's little girl was in the back seat of the car, and, of course, the mother was hysterical uh, as the car drove off, and... Um, in those days, there was a lot of carjackings and the cars were taken and driven across the border where they were sold in the neighbouring country. And um, so she was just screaming on the side of the road, you know, distraught, not knowing what to do as the car drove off. And a man stopped, you know, what's the problem, lady? And um, said, you know, someone's just driven off my car. My daughter's in it. And this man gave chase. And then another man, the lady was still screaming on the side of the road and another man stopped. And, um, he, um, and said, what's wrong? He said, this man, my daughter's been kidnapped. And he said, look, I'm a pastor. Let's, we'll pray. And they prayed, God, please stop the car. And the, um, and the man said, well, look, let's, let's go over. Let's get chased. I'll probably go down this main highway. And the lady was a bit reluctant to hop in, but then she saw a Bible on the front seat. And the man said, yes, I'm a pastor. So she went with the man. They drove along the road. And there they came to the car and it was stopped in the middle of the road. And the little girl was in the car. And uh, when they talked to the little girl, they said, you know, what happened? She said, well, I was driving a lot. Once we were driving, I was pleading with the man to take me back to mummy. And I saw what appeared to be an angel come and stand on the bonnet of the car as it was driving along and, and push what was like a shiny sword into the engine. And the car stopped. And, of course, there was no hole in the bottom and everything, but they found a clutch had failed as the car was driving along. They didn't know, um, uh, you know, there wasn't any mechanical problems. And it's interesting, why would a little, you know, seven-year-old girl make up something? But why wouldn't she just say, well, the car broke down, you know, and the, the thief ran off sort of thing? And what's interesting so, with, um, you know, just thinking about it, and the petrol heads out there will relate to this, you know, when a clutch fails, it usually gives a lot of warning before it does. It doesn't usually just... Exactly, yeah, and and not usually just, you know, the car stop as you're driving from. Instantaneously. Yeah. I've never heard of a clutch failing like that, but... Um... Yeah. So this is, um, and I think, you know, we had just uh, a few weeks ago a broadcast on the national news uh, at the evacuation of Malakuta there in Victoria, there was this massive fireball approaching uh, a group of people that were sort of fleeing from their homes to the jetty there. Um, and this man who was a Christian, David Jeffries was his name, uh, he was a Christian, he called out to God, yelled out, and all the people around there, you go, God, if you're there in Jesus' name, please stop these flames, push them away something like that, and instantly a wind came in, a really strong wind came in from the east and blew the fire front back, and in the interview, it was on television, uh, another 30 seconds they would have been consumed by this huge ball of fire that I think when I read the newspaper report later was estimated to be something like uh, 60 feet high and 
and travelling, you know, uh, 90, 90 kilometres an hour or something. So, and that was in front of people, and that got, you know, the media. So, uh, and those people's lives were, were saved. I read in one report, for example, that the guy said that they saw the embers raining down, they landed on the grass, but they didn't even set fire to the grass then around them. He said it was almost like a Daniel and his three friends experience. So I think, you know, in the book we want, I wanted to point out that there, when we consider the hundreds of thousands of examples, probably millions of examples of answers to prayer that have been recorded over time, we have this overwhelming evidence that God is real. We have uh, an intervening God. You know, I think the evacuation from Dunkirk, I, um, I haven't seen the, the movie, but I remember reading about it there, how the cloud came in. People were praying and as they were trying to get the troops off that beach. You know, 300,000 men were about to be killed um, and the clouds came in that stopped the German Air Force from being able to strafe them as they were on, exposed on the beach there. Um, and yet it was very unseasonal for that cloud and fog to come in at that particular time. Now, there's another classic example given at um, a river in South Africa where the Vortrekkers were surrounded by a massive Zulu force and they made a covenant with God that there were something like 700 Vortrekker families in wagons, uh, farmers with their wives and children, surrounded by a force of three or 4,000 Zulu warriors and they prayed to God, they made a covenant that if God saved them, they would, you know, always remember this and teach their children. And um, that particular night, this mist, unseasonable mist, came down around and covered the whole camp and the Zulu warriors kept back as the people had lit uh, lanterns and saw the shadows that spooked the Zulu warriors and, and they left there with very little loss of life. And there's a bronze memorial there. So we have these, you know, records that have been preserved of, of God intervening in the lives of those faithful people that uh, turned to him. Yeah, and John, I, we do need to finish up, but um, I just want to add to that that, you know, when you get a group of Christians who sit around and start sharing these kind of stories, it, it almost feels like everyone has a story to share from mm. somewhere. And when you start to add that up, that is an enormous weight of evidence. But, uh, John, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That's Dr. Dr. John Ashton, author of many books, but uh, including Evolution. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.